this week's edition of our summer series. Stephen and company here on the Stephen Perkins program. Thank you so much for joining me on the Outset Podcast Network. Before we get into the show and before I introduce who my guest is this week, although it's already in the title, so I mean, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not one for keeping things from you. I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor who made this week's episode possible, and that is Octopod. You've heard me talk about them before, but Octopod's line of portable charging solutions will make sure your phone never dies again. Go to octo-pod.com outset and use the promo code outset at checkout for 50% off. On this week's episode is a man who is able to stay sane and positive when talking about politics and culture, and I envy him for it. He is a student, an Arizonian, a fellow Outset podcaster, and someone who I am fortunate enough to call a friend. So get ready to hear an awesome conversation with the one, the only, Benjamin Green. As I said, I am here this week with Benjamin Green, uh, just a wonderful person that I've been waiting to talk to, great contributor to Outset, a, a host of an Outset podcast. Benjamin, how are you? I'm doing very, very well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. So tell the people who somehow don't know about you, um, tell them who you are, what you do, and um, kind of why you're here this week, I guess. Okay, so... Um... My name, as he said, is Benjamin Green. I'm from Arizona. You can find me on Twitter at bgreenaz. Um, I host the podcast Second Luck on Outlook on Outlook on Outset. <laughs> it it airs on Tuesdays, and um, my wife and I also run a blog called The Wicket Gate. That's a it's a Christian blog. Um, I guess I'm here because I'm into politics, and I know Stephen. <laughs> because I value your opinion. Okay. Okay. I, but but yes, those those reasons as well. <laughs> so pretty much in this first half of the show, I want to talk to you about some current events that have been happening. Um, okay. By the time this airs, it'll be Thursday. We're talking on Tuesday, so it's a little early in the week. Hopefully nothing too big happens on Wednesday or Thursday morning. Um, but the first thing that happened this morning, actually, was announced this morning was a deal between the U.S. and Iran, and President Obama announced it. Um, and the details um, the details are, are not incredibly clear yet, but what we do know is that it's going to reduce the number of centrifuges by two-thirds. By two-thirds, it's going to place bans on enrichment at key facilities. It's going to limit research on uranium research and, and, and development um, and a couple of other specifications about when they must consent to searches and, and things like that. Have you had a, a chance to look at any of the details of uh, of this deal? So, yeah, I mean, I've looked at a bit. As as you said, it's not all that clear yet. So I, I've been prowling around on different sites trying to figure out what it is. And some people seem to think it's the greatest thing ever, and other people think it's terrible. Um... I don't know. I'm no foreign policy expert, but so far I haven't seen anything from it that's going to make me scream bloody murder. Well, what I, what I think is so concerning is you have Saudi Arabia and Israel do not agree on just about anything. But both of them, both of their governments have come out and said that this is a bad deal for the Middle East in general. For Israel, it obviously threatens their chances of survival. 
Iran has said that they want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Iran uh, in parliament, they have chanted death to America. Um, and President Obama see, seemed to be so, so gung-ho about getting a deal that Secretary Kerry was essentially told not to walk away from the table. And at that point, to me, if you can't walk away and if you can't stand your ground, that's not a negotiation to me. But what I think is most concerning about this is, like I said, it limits research. It doesn't completely out uh, ban it. It places ban on enrichment at some key facilities, not all of them. And it's still going to give them access to, um, from what I've seen, uh, supplies that could be used to make nuclear weapons. Um, but there's an interesting type of uh, way to look at this. And I want to get your opinion on this. When it comes to foreign policy and the United States role in the world, the question I have is, should we be the ones creating this deal? Should we be the ones policing Iran's um, nuclear activity? So that answer for me is a flat out no. I mean, I, I break from a lot of the GOP base on this. I'm very much a non-interventionist. I don't feel like we have any jurisdiction in Iran. And, you know, I, I understand a lot of people are alarmed by this, and I'm just not informed enough to know if I should be or not. But just on a basic level, I don't see where we get the right to tell Iran what they're allowed to do internally right domestically and, and staying on a basic level seeing how iran has had this track record of not obeying international law not really caring about sanctions not really uh, you know they're, they're not affected at all by what people say about them or try to enforce upon them do you think knowing what we know just about the nature of iran do you think they're actually going to keep their end of the bargain here you know honestly I'd be surprised, and that's for a few reasons. Number one, as you've said, they're, they're sworn enemies with Israel, and the, um, the radical Islamic leadership that is in Iran being what it is, they're never going to do something that brings greater peace to Israel. That, I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. Also, the whole death to America in Parliament thing, who's to say that they're being now granted that could all be a political ploy but but who's to say that they're being genuine in these negotiations sure and i think that's a big concern for everybody and that's why there is a lot of skepticism on both sides about it um i, I want to turn to another thing that has come up recently and that is that we have yet another republican entering the race um to be honest i've lost count how many there 15. are now are 15 there, there's 15 Yes. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. So the latest <laughs> the latest big name was Scott Walker, governor of Wisconsin. I just want to ask you what you think about Scott Walker. So uh, I, I like Scott Walker as a person, and I like a lot of his policies. Um, he's one candidate that I'm definitely open to voting for in the general election, but I'm not going to be supporting in the primary because of his stance on the domestic spying and the Patriot Act and all of that. I, that's just something I can't get over for the primary. 
So expand on that. What, what about his comments? Um, well, when Rand Paul, the, the whole shebang was going down where Rand Paul was filibustering and then the Patriot Act expired for like, what, three days mm -hmm. and then they brought part of it back. Um, throughout that time, Scott Walker kept releasing comments that were in support of those domestic spying programs. Um, and, and I understand the argument, like, for greater safety, but to me, constitutionality trumps safety, and it seems pretty clear that domestic spying is unconstitutional, and so that's going to be the deal breaker for me there. So in terms of a Scott Walker candidacy, I've always said that one of the issues he's, he's going to have is in Wisconsin, he took on the teachers' unions, and a lot of people who are not really involved in politics, I call them the every the average American voter who is, you know, they're, they're getting their news, but they're not really diving into issues that far. They see Scott Walker and certainly the left paints him as anti-worker, anti-union um, and kind of someone who, who doesn't want to, you know, be on the side of teachers. And I've always thought that's going to be a big issue for him because no matter how much they try to educate people on why that was a good thing, that's always going to be in the back of people's minds is that he took on these unions and defeated them, but why did he even do it? Um, do you see that as an issue? What are some other issues that you see with his candidacy other than the, the surveillance uh, concerns? So the the teachers union thing, like you said, I, I agree that it if he is the nominee, that will be a big hurdle in the general election. You know, Democrats will be able to say that, I I don't know, how do I want to say this? Just they, They'll be able to make a strong case to their base that Scott Walker is anti-worker. Whether or not that is true, that's the way they see it and the way they're going to tell it. So that'll be a big hurdle. But also, um, I, I mentioned this in the episode of Second Look that airs this week, it it gives me a little bit of pause because he he runs on this as his crowning achievement. And union busting, while, while I do agree unions are too powerful, someone who's running as that on their, running with union busting as like one of their prized things from their tenure and leadership, I worry that maybe they're going to be a little more loyal to the business community than to people. Right. And what I've worried about um, is when he gets on the debate stage and questions are asked about foreign policy, how is he going to answer that? When he gets on the debate stage and he's asked about immigration, how is he going to field those questions? There's a lot that... Um, even though I like the idea of a governor because they they generally do a lot more, they have more executive experience, there's a lot that he hasn't dealt with as the governor of Wisconsin. And I'm interested into how he will be fielding those questions, seeing how you're right. It seems to be most of his, um, most of the reason why you should vote for him is because, you know, he, he, he did such a great thing in Wisconsin against the unions. Yeah, and as as we saw from January when he kind of rocketed to the front of the pack and then got asked a couple foreign policy questions and uh -huh. flubbed, he, he it's something he needs to work on. And I'm sure it's something he has been working on since January. And so he'll be a lot better prepped 
for the debates than he was for those. But it it will be interesting because, like you said, as governor of Wisconsin, he just hasn't had necessarily foreign policy experience. And really, I guess no governor has. Um, some some have to deal with border issues. And I mean, there is the Canadian border by Wisconsin. <laughs> all those all those illegal Canadians. But that that's a little less of an issue. Right. <laughs> Now, one of the things I was talking with someone earlier about this is the timing of his announcement. As you mentioned, in January around CPAC, he was the he was the leading guy. Everyone was in love with Walker. And now it seems as if most people didn't take that big of a big of a note to his announcement. A lot of people have not necessarily forgotten about him, but they're not as excited as, you know, 15 other Republicans have come out. Do you think it was smart for him to announce this late in the game? Or do you think he should have been earlier, maybe the first or around the time that Ted Cruz announced? Well, first off, I'd just say that based on my Twitter feed yesterday during the announcement, like from the people I follow, he's still the favorite of a lot of people. Okay. Uh, Everyone seemed pretty enthralled with his speech not having a teleprompter and stuff um but as far as like the timing of his announcement i think it's a little weird that it came so late he's pretty much like the last one we might have um john Kasich announced oh goodness we we might have him announce but i I don't know. It just, it seems late to me. Long story short, if if I had been there, I would have suggested that he announce definitely before people like Bobby Jindal and Chris Christie, who right. are kind of considered long shot candidates. He, he would want to be up, I would say, around Marco Rubio, really. So right. what was that, the second week of April? Was it? I, th- I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's also the way, you know, another way you could look at it is, well, he's kind of waited until everyone's gotten their announcements out. And now it's like his time. He's not having to fight for airtime with people. That is true. And, and you know, with Hillary Clinton re, re-announcing not even that long <laughs> ago. Second announcement. Yeah. Then I can kind of see that. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I have a question about him in the second half, a couple of questions about him in the second half, so we'll get some more of your opinions there. But since you bring up Hillary Clinton, um, are you a user of Uber at all? I'm not. You're not? I I ride the bus <laughs> when gotcha. I can't drive. Okay. But, but I mean, you know the idea behind Uber. Their, their drivers are essentially contractors for them. Hillary Clinton is supposed to be the tech-savvy um, favorite of Silicon Valley, um, really hip with the youth, if you will. And she came out recently against Uber's contracted workers. Their use of contracted workers has says that she believes that they should be brought on as regular employees and that they shouldn't, that Uber's trying to, you know, jump through loopholes by making them contractors. Um, Knowing what you know about this story, I mean, does this make Hillary Clinton look out of touch a bit? So I I would just like to say, first of all, anyone who thinks of Hillary Clinton as hip is just kind of nuts. Unless 
I've heard people say it. I don't even know. I have to. And then when when she had her Spotify playlist, there was that whole silhouette of her in Beats headphones. Like it just goodness. The Clintons are very out of touch. But then just back specifically to Uber, I um, here in Tucson, I've actually known quite a few people who drove for Lyft, Uh which is it's basically the same business model. And most of them were either like college students who don't have the time to have a full time job. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like people who had full time jobs and just wanted side income but they wouldn't be able to commit to the hours of a full-time job. So just that right there, my anecdotal experience kind of debunks the notion that, I don't know, she was saying they were like stealing from workers by not having insurance and all this stuff. And it just seems crazy to me. No one's forcing them to drive for Uber. No, like, and, I, and I think, you know, really that's the big difference is that no one's forcing them to do it. In, in this country, you have the right to engage in contracts and ideally, you should only be engaging in contracts that benefit you, which is why this exactly whole, this whole argument about minimum wage. Well, you know, you get a lot of flack when you say, well, people do make a choice to have a minimum wage job. But it's true. There is a contract and you should not sign an employment contract unless you're benefiting from it. That's just simple econ- economics. And with the Uber issue, she she did admit that Uber unleashes innovation. But she doesn't seem to understand that if they treat if if they did not have drivers on a contract basis and had them as regular employees, that drives the cost of business up incredibly uh, higher. Um, that lowers their ability to unleash that innovation. And another thing is the drivers around here that I've talked to, their pay is so much better on Uber than it is with any taxi cab. So for yeah. someone like Hillary Clinton who believes that workers should be paid a higher wage why does she not like the idea of uber drivers who under a um a contractor type of situation with uber are making more money than they would in a regular taxi job and there's less regulations and and also you know the left claims to hate cronyism but taxi companies are some of the the worst crony capitalist companies like in new york city right getting your taxi medallion you've got to have political connections and and it's terrible and, it, it's and it's also a big uh, it's a big monopoly Ta- the reason why taxi companies don't like uber is it's breaking up their monopoly right and and i mean that is innovation she she hit the nail on the head there right. but that innovation is a good thing so why should we try to get rid of it right she calls their labor practices wage theft is is what she alluded to and i just i think it's incredibly stupid of her um you know i i don't know who's advising her on uber or these these type of programs but it's just it's talking points that we've heard before they've been debunked before and i feel like that's a lot of her campaign and i'm just you know let people keep more of their money let people make as much money as they want and just get out of people's lives. But that doesn't seem to be uh, the, the Democrats motto. And we the, the Democrats seem to have this idea that like everything social needs mm-hmm. to change and everything economic needs to stay the same. Like right. I, I don't understand what's wrong with the taxi business model changing. You know, we don't have milkmen anymore. We get our milk at the grocery store. 
Is that a bad thing? Or well, if Hillary Clinton back... was if Hillary Clinton was campaigning back then, she would have you know she would have said the grocery stores should be have tougher regulations because and they were putting people out of jobs. They're stealing wages from the milkmen. It, it, it it's just weird to me. Well, it, it's just the day before you know um, um, cars went on sale. Who was sticking up for the for the horse and buggy salesmen? You know, the yeah. fact is, is that innovation is going to drive out certain business. It's not up to the government to regulate um, how often innovation changes the market. That's just inappropriate of them. And you know what horse and buggy repairmen did when cars became available? Oh, they went goodness. out and learned about car engines. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's true. Or they just they just quit, you know, because the world was changing. So let's talk about... Um, I hate to bring it to this low point. I really do. But this just went up on, well, this will be up on Thursday. But on Tuesday, this new video came out from the Center for Medical Progress. And it's not a fun video. It is a video where a top Planned Parenthood doctor, Dr. Deborah um, Nukatola, I'm guessing is how you say the last name, one of their top doctors, um, explains to this undercover um, filmmaker about how Planned Parenthood coordinates the selling of, of body parts harvested from aborted fetuses. And it's not a fun video to watch, but, uh, but I know that you know a little bit about it. You know the gist of it. How, how in the world is an organization like this still getting federal funding <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I tried to answer that and I had nothing. Uh, I I mean, but you would you would think that something like this and the many other scandals that have come out, you would think someone would stand up and say, even if even if, you know, you would think a lawmaker would stand up and say, even if I agree that abortion should be legal, this is wrong. Right. Even even the most ardent supporters of abortion should be grabbing the pitchforks and torches and going after Planned Parenthood. This is not the first time something terrible like that happened. It's been going on since their founding. Mm -hmm. You know, Margaret Sanger, a brave Margaret Sanger, wanted yes. to exterminate African Americans. That's why she started Planned Parenthood. Right. It, it's a terrible terrible organization and it should be considered as such even by supporters of abortion right and in their statement that they released about the video they just released it um, um, around two o'clock tuesday they said in healthcare, patients sometimes want to donate tissue to scientific research that can help lead to medical breakthroughs such as treatments um, and cures for serious diseases uh, women at Planned Parenthood who had had abortions are no different. At several of our health centers, we help patients who want to donate tissue to scientific research. And we do this just like every other high quality healthcare provider does. So they are completely refusing um, to acknowledge the comments that their top official said, their top doctor said that they are selling them. They said from anywhere from $30 to $100 per specimen. And they're saying, oh, you know, it's just donation to scientific research. It's absolutely insane the fact that they are thinking they can get away with this. And what's even more insane is they might actually get away with it. 
So what needs to happen, we have 15 Republican presidential candidates, right. and the media really likes to badger them. Yes. What needs to happen is all 15 of them need to just start saying, I'm not going to answer another question until you make the Democrats defund Planned Parenthood and answer on Planned Parenthood. It, it, it's ridiculous. It needs to stop. And we need to stop putting up with it. We can change this. We can get them defunded at every level of government. And we have to. Right. I mean, I'm someone who thinks that the government shouldn't really be funding any organization, but especially an organization that does such vile things. And so far, if I right. remember correctly, seeing Carly Fiorina has come out against it, called it disgusting. And um, But, you know, I've been talking about I've been really wanting to talk about things that unite us as a country. You know, there's all these differences we have. And I would hope, I would really hope that the, the selling of, of, of tissues from aborted children is something that we could unite against out of everything. I would hope that that's something we could unite against. And you know what? I honestly think that it is. I mean, if you just look at statistics on it, sure, maybe... It, it's like what right around 50% of Americans support banning abortion entirely. Mm -hmm. But if you look at say late term abortion, the vast majority of Americans support banning that practice. So I feel like this one speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. Well, I, and I think luckily the Supreme court is as crazy as they've been in the, in the past, uh, the past month or so, I think they, they would still, because in the video they talk about the biggest challenge is the, the Supreme Court ruling on the constitutionality of it. And I think the Supreme Court would still um, uphold that uh, that there should be this federal law on books as there is now. Um, so, I mean, just a terrible thing. Hopefully by the time this episode is released that there's been some serious developments with it. And Planned Parenthood needs to, needs to come out and and talk about what they're actually doing. Well, we're going to go to a quick break, and then we will come back. I'll be here with Benjamin Green. Go to a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll come back for some assorted questions. Hey, guys, I just want to talk to you for just the quickest moment about being a responsible adult. And I know that's a big topic, so we'll break it down quite simply. But And by the way, no, I'm not talking about paying your taxes. Hopefully, you've already done it. What I am talking about is keeping your valuables well, alive. More specifically, your phone or tablet. I'm talking about keeping your phone or tablet alive. Pretty simple. I don't know if you know this, but every day in this country, hundreds of thousands, probably even millions of phones lose power because their owners let them run out of battery. And if you're like me, trying to find ways to feel like an adult, you probably don't want to be part of that statistic. So here's the deal. You can keep your phone charged and you can look like an impressive adult who has their life together, all thanks to Octopod. Octopod's line of portable charging solutions provide portable power to your phone or tablet, ensuring you can breeze through the day as a productive human and responsible adult. And for the listeners of this week's program, they want to give you 50% off. That's right. You deserve it. 50% off. Just go to octo-pod.com outset and use the promo code outset at checkout for 50% off your order. That's octo-pod.com outset. Use the promo code outset at checkout. And now back to our interview with Benjamin. All right, I am back with Benjamin Green. Uh, Benjamin, are you ready to answer some random questions? 
I'm kind of horrified at the prospect, but yes, well, I guess. You should be, because you haven't seen most of them. So we'll start. Who, What's who was it who was sending you all the ones on Twitter? Was it Stephanie Conway? Um, oh, in the uh, in in whose episode? Austin's. Yes, that was Stephanie Conway. Yikes! She's pretty. That's good all at, I've got to say. Good. I have some. <laughs> I have some from her and some from Matt Dallas on this week's, and um, and I like getting them from other people because then I'm not really the one to blame. So I'm going to start you off easy. This is a a question I've been meaning to ask people, but I I haven't been. And and I want to get your view on it. It may take some thinking. We can come back to it. But is there something you believe that you know is probably unpopular among, you know, the vast majority of conservatives or your fellow conservatives? Something I believe? Mm -hmm. Well, I... I don't know if I can put my finger on a specific point per se, but I would say the key differentiator between me and most conservatives is foreign policy. Mm, yeah. uh, and, you know, I, I'm pretty much where Rand Paul is on foreign policy, and that seems to be pretty unpopular. So That's maybe that. True. I mean, he's popular for many things, but his foreign policy is one that uh, people do not seem to like. Right. So... What do you think is the biggest issue facing the U.S. today? Ooh, yeah. That's a big one. It's a big question. So if you make me boil it down into one issue, I'll say that we've abandoned constitutional governance. Hmm. Our federal government is way too big. Our states are way too small. And a whole host of issues come out of that one. I mean, our budget crisis and even foreign policy. If if states had the role they're supposed to have, we'd be in a lot better shape. Well, I, I wrote in this month's cover story and outset, I, I wrote that I, I feel as if um, the bulk of Americans have gladly given up our democratic republic principles. And I'm, but I'm not sure how we really got there. I mean, how, how do you think we got to this point where we're okay with the government being this powerful and us as individuals being so so weak? Well, I, I mean, there's so many factors. It's hard to pin it down. I'd, I'd pin down a lot of our national problems that we're facing today to the Wood, Woodrow Wilson era. Oh, I hate Woodrow Wilson. Um, well, I mean, first off, the man was a terrible racist, but setting that aside, that got us the income tax, that got us the Federal Reserve, we had World War One, and as globalization has gotten to what it is now, and, and living as a global citizen and not just a local citizen has become such an important thing, we've almost started to neglect being a local citizen entirely. Right. A lot of people forget about how important local politics is, especially how, you know, everything, everything that Barack Obama has talked about, the transformation of America, he started on a local level in Chicago. Right. And a lot of people don't seem to to care about local politics, which I get. It's kind of boring compared to national politics, but also very important. Now, um, I guess I kind of know your answer to this next question, your favorite candidate. You said Rand Paul. 
Yeah, Rand Paul is my favorite. I'm open to um, Carly Fiorina for one. I I really like Rand Paul a lot. I I'm really just waiting till the debates to see for sure. I right. I I donated to Rand Paul's campaign. I don't agree with him on every issue, but I mean, I don't agree with anyone on every issue. So right, unless I'm running. <laughs> Correct. Yes. <laughs> What would be, hmm, we'll do this two ways. What would be your dream ticket? Like, who who, who would you want to be president, vice president in the, the field that we have today? So out of the 15 candidates? Out of the 15, choose two of them. So that would probably be Rand Paul, Carly Fiorina. Okay, okay, nice. I don't know much about her. I That one, she's one I'm really waiting for the debates for because well, she's interesting because of her business background but in terms of policy i think she is she's quite different from Rand paul yeah and 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 i know that i i also like a lot of ted cruz's policies but i i just can't support him his delivery is right. terrible um and then Walker, I like on all but the Patriot Act. For for all of them, it's like I like you, except there's this. Yeah, you don't have your perfect candidate, right? Yeah. Now, using only fictional people, what would be your dream ticket then? Fictional people. Fictional people. From any. From any. Just, just pop culture, you know, whatever. Oh boy. Would Ariana Grande be your first presidential pick? No, no, she would not. Huh, I, I, I think probably um, I'd be all right having Steve Rogers up there. Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> that'd be interesting. You know what? Let's make it a Rogers Rogers ticket. We'll have Steve Rogers and Fred Rogers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would be um, one of the most interesting elections that I, I've ever seen. And, and you know, we they wouldn't even have to have a corny campaign theme song. Mr. Rogers could just sing to everyone, won't you be my neighbor? That's true. And then anyone who doesn't vote for him, Captain America, can just, like, punch him in the face. I would vote for that ticket so, so quick. So quick. Without, <laughs> without a second guess. So sticking with the fictional thing... Okay. Your fiction, your favorite fictional president, and this is any any care you know anyone who's played a president in a movie, TV show, whatever. Who? Because for me it would be, for me it would be Frank Underwood, but he's not the example of yeah. like the most ethical president, you know. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I really do like Jed Bartlett on West Wing, but. Okay. You know, because of the policies differences, I, I won't say him. Have you ever seen the movie Dave? I have not. It's a Kevin Klein movie. Okay. And it's it's really interesting. And I would say that Dave is probably my favorite fictional president. Did you ever see, um, what is that? I think it was uh, Chris Rock did a, did a movie where he ran for president. No, I did not. I, I, okay, I have to. I'm trying to think of of what it was. I think it's called Head of State, um, but essentially, and it's very weird because yeah, it's called Head of State, Chris Rock. It's very weird because the, the plot behind it is that Chris Rock is a is an alderman in <laughs> Washington D.C. Okay, 
and he runs and becomes the first black president. And then, and, and that came out in 2003. And then in 2008, we have Barack Obama, a, you know, a community organizer from Chicago. Yeah. So it becomes, so it was very kind of weird in, in that respect. But, um, from what I heard, he was a pretty good president in that movie. You never really see the rest of his administration, but, you know. It's there whatever. was also a short-lived TV show with Gina Davis called Commander-in-Chief. I think I remember seeing it. I never I never saw it, but I think I remember seeing ads for it. So she was the vice president when the president died. Oh. And so there was a whole lot of controversy about her becoming the first woman president. That one was good, too. Interesting. I'll have to check those out. Now, are you a fan of Mexican food? I, I know I had Austin on a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, he likes to claim that Arizona has better Mexican food than Texas. I told him he's wrong. but Well, first off, Austin's right. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and that's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Benjamin. Uh, no, but, but so are you a fan of Mexican food? Sort of. So I'm weird, and Austin's going to be cringing when he hears me say this, oh, but... I do not like spicy food from anywhere. Okay. So I like Mexican food that's like flavorful, but if it's spicy, I'm not a fan. Right. So that that, that rules out a lot. It rules of, out a lot, a lot, a lot of what Mexican food is. Yeah. Are you a guacamole fan? No. You're not. I'm not. Oh my goodness. I, 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 I really don't understand how people cannot be a guacamole fan. So I'm a really picky eater. It's pretty sad. Uh-huh. Uh, I, but yeah, avocado, just no thank you. Okay. Well, my question <laughs> was, as you know, the New York Times released a, a recipe with peas and guacamole. My question was going to be if you believe whether they belong, but you've never tasted, or I'm sure you tasted guacamole, but you don't like guacamole, so. So I've, I've tasted it and I've not liked it, and I'm sure it would only get worse if they added peas in there. I was about to say, do, do, would it change your mind if there were peas? It, peas do not belong in guacamole. At least we That's, can agree on that. Yeah. Okay, um, thoughts on Taylor Swift? She's awesome. Thank you. Um, I mean, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm not like the world's biggest fan. I don't know where I was going with that. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. She's great. I love her stuff. Okay. So do you think that she would make a good president? As far as effectiveness, uh, first off, it'd probably be really easy for her to get elected. Right. Yeah. Um, second off... Everyone kind of seems to either hate her or love her, so she'd fit right in with with other presidents. Politics, as usual, yeah. Um, as far as, like, policy, though, I doubt it. I have a feeling she's pretty liberal. Yeah, I feel she is. Uh, she's. Um, I feel like she's kind of um, gone away from what she was raised as. But, you know, I do think you talk about effectiveness when she got Apple to change its mind on the Apple Music thing. Right. Just showed me right there. That is some leadership. So, I mean, you if 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 she starts standing up and quoting the Constitution, maybe I'll change my mind. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. We should tweet her. Just tweet her a link to the Constitution. Maybe maybe she'll fall in love with it. Maybe. Now, do you know the show Big Brother? No. Okay, it's essentially... I feel like I've vaguely heard of it, but I've 
I know nothing about it. So it's essentially this really interesting social experiment that they have on TV for um, entertainment <clears throat> entertainment purposes. It's the show where they take this wide variety, this group of young adults who really have nothing in common, and they stick them all in one house, and oh, that essentially horrifying. Yes, and they treat them like lab rats, and they just kind of let things play out. Now, my question is, knowing that, knowing that it is this big social experiment and that tensions um, get flared and that crazy things happen, name one politician you would like to see go on Big Brother. Oh, give me one second. Here. Sure. Because <laughs> it's a very interesting show. And I think politicians would just be so out of their element. Be kind of interesting... Well, uh, first off, it'd be a good test, like, to see if they really do mean what they say. You trap them all in a house for right. a long time and see see who survives the longest. It makes me think of IJ Review and their Republic Sims. That was that fantastic. Was one of the greatest articles I've ever read. <laughs> I was just I laughing and laughing. But back to the question at hand, I, I feel like um, Tom Cotton would probably be very entertaining in there, as would really? Elizabeth Warren. Huh. Those were two names I did not think of, but uh, but interesting choices nonetheless. Because they're both, you know, very intense personalities, yes. going to stand up and shout about what I believe in. And so I, I that could be very interesting. Yeah. I have a, by the way, later on, I have a would you rather about um, Elizabeth Warren, so... Oh, that should be. Yeah. You know about Scott Walker's obsession with Coles. Yes. Now, this is unconfirmed, but I believe that he buys his suits from Coles. Um, do you think that GOP candidates should be required to wear suits from Coles or other comparable discount stores during the debates? Um, and I you do know mean that required like as in you're not allowed on stage if you're not in one exactly exactly you know it wouldn't be all that bad it, it, it could maybe encourage some thriftiness exactly so my thought is would donald trump comply with that debate rule he'd probably buy coals <laughs> and then he would like force them to sell a fancier suit oh that's perfect actually yeah i didn't even think about that he he could out of all of them, he could do it. He could buy them. That would be interesting. Now, how much Kohl's cash do you think Scott Walker has in his wallet currently? Currently, I would say... Uh, it's oh, got to be like over 100, I would think. He Well, he probably has 450. Why that specific number? Because Kohl's cash, it comes in $10 increments, right? Uh-huh. I, I'm guessing. I'm going to agree with you without knowing for sure. I, I, I think it does. I could be wrong there. Okay. And and he wants to be the 45th president. So. Oh, so there's some symbolism going on. <laughs> hmm. That, that would be one fat wallet. <laughs> no now, kidding. talking about Ariana Grande. Okay. And every time I think about that, I just think of coffee. But do you think Ariana <laughs> Grande actually helped the childhood obesity um, situation when she licked those donuts and said she hated America? 
I think she helped it as much as Gwyneth Paltrow helped families living on food stamps, oh. a.k.a. not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I was not as when when I when I um, heard about Ariana Grande doing that little thing with the donuts, I was not as offended by the fact that she said that she hated America. Like that's that's your right. If if you want to say that, I completely disagree with you for saying it. But that's your right. I'm I with was, you there. I was more offended with the fact that she licked perfectly good donuts. I know, right? Like to me, that should be a federal crime. Well, I mean. It should be a local crime, you'd it think, be right? Some sort like, of crime. Some sort of misdemeanor. I, I feel like if I walked into a donut shop and just started licking them, I would get arrested. You well, know? I just saw today, and it was on Facebook, so let's see if it's even there anymore. I saw Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande, singer. The headline is, Singer will not be charged in California, donut licking incident report says. So apparently there is a local ordinance. I'm guessing a, a health and safety ordinance. Yeah, something something along those lines. But they're not going to charge her. Why do you think they wouldn't charge her? She clearly licked perfectly good donuts. Um, it's because she's part of the 1% and they get away with everything. Is, is that why you think because of her celebrity <laughs> millionaire status she's getting away with it? Uh, it could be that. It could just be they're like, really, let's move on with our lives and get over this stupid little thing. Who do you think is more terrible, Ariana Grande or Justin Bieber? Ugh. I know that's a really tough question. I've had okay. to think about it for a long time as well. So, I don't know any of Ariana Grande's music off the top of my head. There's like one good song, trust me. But Justin Bieber is kind of fun to sing to to like oh benjamin mock other people with oh, okay i thought you were gonna say like sing in the car in which case i was gonna have serious issues oh no no so i sing along in the car if it comes on sometimes like uh -huh. if it's one of the like one or two songs that i know sure but it's it's definitely for mocking purposes okay um so i'm gonna go ahead and say that ariana grande's music is worse it's probably probably a, a good uh a good assessment. Now, let's say there was a spaghetti fight or, or any really any, any type of food. I just like spaghetti okay. because it sticks to people. It's messy and it's just like it's nasty. Ariana Grande versus Taylor Swift. Who wins that fight? Oh, Taylor Swift. You Have you so? seen the Bad Blood music video? Well, that's true, but that's also acting, Benjamin. <laughs> so you don't know how she really is. Ugh. This is true. All I'm saying is that it would be a very interesting fight. And if it was on pay-per-view, I, I would pay no matter uh, how much they wanted. I don't think I'd pay, but I, my, my money would still be on Taylor Swift if I were betting. Oh, I'd pay. <laughs> I'd pay. You can come over here and watch it. And I'll, I'll, I'll pay <laughs> of us. Um, now, we have a, a question every week about Hillary Clinton's pantsuits. Because, you know, listen, I'm a... I'm someone who believes in doing uh, doing things for the social good. You know, I donate to uh, the Salvation Army, you know, old clothes and things like that. I'm not trying to, you know, do whatever. But but Hillary Clinton, I think, um, would benefit by appearing more generous. And so I've been trying to come up with ways that we could repurpose Hillary Clinton's pantsuits. Okay. And this is what I think. Do you or should her pantsuits, her old pantsuits, be reused to make extra-large clothing for the overweight children that Ariana Grande mentioned. Sure, why not? Right? Wouldn't that just be a nice thing to do? 
yeah, I, I mean, it'd be cool to like watch her, you know, cut it out and stitch it up herself. Oh, I didn't say she would do it because that probably would never happen. Um, oh. But I mean, you know, she'd probably outsource it to a sweat shop, a sweatshop in China. You know, probably or Thailand. I hear that's where they do most of that now. And uh, before we get into political, would you rather our last random question? How much would you pay for a signed Rick Santorum sweater vest? Ooh, because I would pay a lot. And I don't even hmm. like him that much. Signed Rick Santorum sweater vest. Mm-hmm. Probably not all that much. No, uh, probably like $30. Okay. Well, eh, that's not that. Yeah, I, I don't know if you would. I don't know if you would get it for only thirty dollars. Yeah, if it were an auction, I'd I'd be the loser. Right. Although I want to see how much someone would pay for that best because it might be a very creepy amount. This is true. Yeah. So let's get into some would you rather. And uh, again, most of these were submitted. They were not me. So. Um, If you want to get upset with people, (laughs) don't get upset with me. Bethany said that she was very disturbed by some of them. Although then again, I did mention like, I think it was like massaging someone's feet. I forgot. But yeah, uh, I I just remember there was a foot rub. I think it was Lindsey Graham. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it. And then there was something with Bernie Sanders and nose hair. You know, I I, I really do feel bad. I never issued an apology (laughs) to her, but I really do feel bad about... uh, putting her through that and and putting those mental images in her head. But I'm about to do the same thing to you. So here we go. Would you rather feed Chris Christie porridge or sit in a hot tub with Lindsey Graham? Uh, Sit in a hot tub with Lindsey Graham. You do realize he would be shirtless, right? Yeah, I could deal with that. You're going to grin and bear it. And I'll, I'll sit there talking about how much I love Rand Paul's foreign policy and stance on the Patriot Act. That would be a, probably the most awkward hot tub situation <laughs> that ever happened in history. And he'll, he'll sit there and call me a young whippersnapper. A young whippersnapper. Well, I, I have so many things I could say about that, but I won't. <laughs> would you Please rather, don't. let's say that you were invited to a party, right? And just a, a big old rager. Would you rather go to a Joe Biden party or a Donald Trump party? Because I feel like both of them throw really great parties. So a Joe Biden party would probably be pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Have a lot of sunglasses, I feel like. I don't know why. I just get that mental sunglasses image. Sunglasses and dad jeans, a, I feel A lot like. of people wearing sunglasses inside. Yeah. Donald Trump, it would probably just be ridiculous. Gold-plated everything. Right. Hmm. So they'd both be really fun to go to, probably just for the sake of people watching. Sure, yeah. Um, but you got to choose one. You got to choose. So it would depend on who else was invited. Sure, yeah. But I would say probably uh, the Donald Trump party. Okay, wow. That's, that's interesting. It's just a lot more ridiculous. Here's the thing. If you went to Joe Biden's party, though, and and I think you made a good choice, because if you went to Joe Biden's party, you would really want to watch him around your wife. Yeah. You know, that that could be against the wall. It could be a very don't let anyone come up behind you kind of a thing. (laughs) Absolutely. So here's um, here's a fun one. Would you rather closely watch Bernie Sanders trim his nose hairs? And I mean, like, really up close. So we're back to the nose hair. Yes. Or wash Hillary Clinton's delicates. 
Both, um, both terrible situations. I feel like you're, you're I, really having issues with this one. Yeah, I'm really having issues with all of these. Um, the <laughs> problem I'd probably go with Bernie Sanders because I could like make faces at him and try to freak him out. Okay, I feel like he's not phased by much though. He's a very, uh, I don't know. I just feel like he doesn't get too disturbed by things. You're probably right, but that's still probably what I'd go with. Okay, hey, fair enough. These are your questions. And the last one, would you rather listen to Elizabeth Warren chew loudly all day or listen to the Dora the Explorer theme song on loop? Oh, probably Dora the Explorer. Yeah. Chewing noises are just gross. I don't care who they're from. That's true. And usually I would, um, usually, I mean, I'm not a fan of, um, you know, of, of Dora the Explorer, but I think it, it definitely beats out um, the chewing noises. As you said, it's just kind of disgusting. Yeah. Now I have a couple of these. I, I don't have many of these who it's called like who is most likely to, and then we'll end out this episode because I've kept you for a long time. I apologize. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. Um, but the, I'm just going to say who is most likely to blank. And then any of the people running for president, I want you to, to answer who would be most likely to do that thing. So um, who is most likely to refuse to kiss a baby? Uh, Trump. The baby's not rich enough. True. And you know what? I would agree with him. I don't like the baby kissing thing. I think um, it's just kind of creepy. It is a little weird. It's like, I don't know this small human, but I'm going to kiss them and they can't really, <laughs> they can't keep me. Like it's, how do we know the baby is consenting to that kiss? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Now, I also think it's a good idea to rope off babies and children, just like Hillary Clinton roped off journalists. <laughs> I would do that in a campaign. Who do you think is most likely uh, to be just a complete failure in the debates? Who do you think is not going to have a good debate performance at all? Mm, probably, if I just had to pick, I'd say Ben Carson. Yeah. My mind leaps to Rick Perry for obvious reasons, for but obvious, sure, right. But because he did so badly last time, um, I feel like he's I, preparing himself. Yeah, he's going to prepare himself a lot better. Yeah. Ben Carson, though, I feel like he just kind of says what he wants to say and doesn't really worry about it, and so he'll probably end up saying something during a debate that he wishes he could take back. Right. And Ben Carson is not what you would call a classically trained politician, even though Carly Fiorina is not a politician. She's still um, she's used to being very diplomatic in business relationships. Right. Ben Carson's a doctor. He hasn't had, right. to, you know, diplomatically deal with issues. So I, I agree with you there. I think that's good. Um, who is most likely to mess up an opening pitch at a baseball game? Bobby Jindal. You think so? You don't think he's very athletic in that? I don't know. But actually, no, I take it back. Jeb. Oh, my goodness. Jeb is so derpy. I could see. He, he, it, and it's not even like that he's necessary unathletic. I could, I could just see him flub it. Yeah, I think so. Um, who is most likely, other than the obvious people, who's most likely to reach over the sneeze guard at Chipotle. That is one of the biggest pet peeves I have. You know, I accidentally did it once, like not even Benjamin. thinking about it. I didn't touch anything. Oh my goodness. And she was like, um, move your hand back, please. And I was like, oops. Uh, 
But yeah, it's like, it's like the cardinal sin of Chipotle. I know. I know. It's terrible. I was in a Chipotle recently that had like a four foot high sneeze guard. And I was like, OK, that's the way it should be everywhere. <laughs> that's a little dramatic. That's kind of like that's kind of like going into a gas station and the whole counter is surrounded by bulletproof glass. Yeah. Like, What has happened at that Chipotle that they've had to put up that big of a sneeze guard? You know, that's a good point. It's a but, little concerning. Um, I would say... Um, are are we doing Republican candidates or Just either side? Whoever, either side. I'm going to go with Lincoln Chafee, and oh. he'd be reaching over to see if he could measure them in metric. Oh, see if he could measure how big the little containers were and everything. I think that's really the only reason I don't like him is because I don't want to have to learn a new <laughs> system, you know? Oh, I know, it's right? It's ridiculous. It'd be expensive, too. It would be expensive now that, yeah, all the implementation of it would be. It, it's just one big hassle. That's not what we need to be focusing on. Yeah. All right. Uh, finally, who is most likely to not use coasters on someone's expensive furniture? Uh, that would be Trump. Because. You think so? I do think so. Because he would probably say that their furniture wasn't classy enough to deserve coasters. Oh, goodness. He's probably going to oh, this furniture was made in China. It doesn't deserve coasters. Yeah. Trump just has, he's an interesting human and I don't want to be too rough on him, but you know, he just, I need him to calm down a little bit. One word comes to mind for me and that's buffoon. Buffoon. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, that does it for this week's episode. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight on these very important political issues. <laughs> Yeah, thanks um, for having me. It was great. Absolutely. So just remind people one more time where they can find you on the internet. Um, so you can find me personally at BGreenAZ on Twitter. And I'm pretty active on Twitter. And that's also my name on Instagram. But I only post there every once in a while. Right. And then your your blog um, is... Oh, Wicked right. The, the blog that my wife and I do is thewicketgate.org. Mm-hmm. And it, it's mostly her writing, but I do some stuff there. So but it is a good site. I've checked out. It's very good. Thanks. So I encourage everyone to go uh, to go follow you. Go subscribe to your show on iTunes, Second Look with Benjamin Green. Um, yeah. I think it's definitely, it's like people needed a pick-me-up on Tuesdays, and we've delivered. So it's definitely a good show. Well, Benjamin, Thanks. thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Uh, we will talk to you later. Once again, thank you to Benjamin for being my guest this week. To listen to future episodes, make sure you take a second to subscribe to this show on iTunes. And while you're there, subscribe to Benjamin's podcast, Second Look with Benjamin Green, and The Matt Dallas Show. And then head on over to Twitter and make sure to follow Outset at Outset Magazine. And then go to Facebook.com slash Outset Network and like our page there. That is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you back here next week.